turn to Psalm chapter 107. Psalm 107. While you're turning over there, let me say that again, I appreciate the opportunity to be here and I appreciate this school. It has been a blessing to me. I received a good education here. You may not be able to tell it, but I did. And uh, I appreciate you and the, the faculty and staff have been such a blessing to us. Dr. Comfort preached for us recently and folks really enjoyed him. I'm looking forward to having him back sometime. Psalm 107. Before we started the church, my wife and I went on vacation. By the way, fellas, you'll want to make sure that you're letting me rely on this right here because I'm not likely to stay behind this too very, too very long. Before my wife and I were uh, started the church, we went on vacation, went down to the coast over the weekend. And uh, on a Sunday morning, we decided we would drive back about halfway inland and go to church, find a church to go to and stop on Sunday morning and go to church. Believe you're on vacation, you still ought to go to church. Amen. Thank you. And uh, we decided we'd drive about halfway back inland and go to church and then leave from there and get back to our church that we were attending on Sunday night. And uh, about time for church, right around five minutes till 11, we were looking for a church and could not seem to find one. Stopped and asked directions. Somebody said, yeah, there's a big Baptist church over this direction. Gave us directions to it. We went to this big Baptist church, and big Southern Baptist church, and I like independent Baptist churches. I am an independent Baptist, but we couldn't find anything else. And I've known some good Southern Baptist churches, so we decided to stop. Uh, we went into this big Southern Baptist church, and according to the marquee, the brag board they had on the interior wall, there were 700 people there that morning. And uh, my wife and I sat in there somewhere close to the back, and uh, the preacher, they went through all the song service, and the preacher began to preach, and uh, he made a statement that was just downright biblical and that I approved of thoroughly. So from my position close to the back, I went, Amen, brother! And 700 people turned around and did that. Shocked me. I was not used to that. Well, they eventually turned back around. He went to preaching. And for, for a few minutes, I was intimidated. And after that, I just got down right in the flesh. I'm sorry. If you never get in the flesh, you, you just forgive me and pardon me. If I get to look for something to say man about. I said, next time he says anything halfway close to the truth, I'm going to do it again. And a few minutes later, he said something that was just absolutely biblical. I went, amen, brother. And this time, about 350 people turned around and did this number. And a few minutes later, towards the end of the service, I said, Amen, one more time. And one little old man up close to the front went, Amen, preacher, me too. And that preacher had the biggest grin on his face I had ever seen in my life. And after the service was over, he, he looked for me, laser beam eyes, found me in the back, and went, God bless you, brother. I don't know where you're from, but it was good to have you. You come back anytime. Apparently, they just had never had anybody doing that before. Now, I can't imagine how that pastor felt. But then sometime ago, studying God's Word, I encountered several passages of Scripture but I, that I believe sums up perfectly how he felt. Now, how many of you in here would admit to being 20 years old and down? Would you raise your hand? <clears throat> Here's what I would like you to do for me. You that are 20 and down, I would like you to look at one verse and only one verse. Please look at verse 8 and keep your eyes there. How many of you are 21 to 40? Please raise your hand. Thank you. Like you look at one verse and only one verse. Verse 15, keep your eyes there. Ages 41 to 60, would you raise your hand? Like you to look at verse 21 and keep your eyes there. 60 and above. Anybody admit to being that? Amen. Quite a few. Would you look at verse 31, please? I'm going to do something that would ordinarily cause a great deal of confusion, but will not in this case. On the count of three, I would like everyone, please, to read the verse that you have been given. One, two, three. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank You so much for who You are and for all You've done. God, we love You and appreciate You. We ask for Your blessings upon this service now as we go through it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
I would say to you that the vehicle of our churches and schools has never looked better. We have a shiny body of doctrinal purity. We have wide tires of systematic theology. We have a plush interior of study in the Greek and Hebrew. We have the personalized license plate of Baptist that we proudly display. We have the trunk filled with all manner of form and fashion, yet for all of this, our vehicle seems to get worse gas mileage and have less power than at any other time in history. Now why is that? The reason for our calamity is that under the hood of our shiny vehicle, the powerhouse motor of praise has been removed. We've set it aside as being outdated and beneath us, and the result is that we know more and accomplish less than ever before. Now I want you to please do something this morning. Please open your hearts as we examine this scripture subject. For the next few minutes, I want to preach for this on this subject. Oh, that you would praise the Lord. Oh, that you would praise the Lord because this needs to be direct. Our preaching does not need to go hither and yon. We don't need to preach about fundamentalism in general. Hey, it's us that need the message. It is we who need to hear what God has to say on this subject. So let's look at it then. First of all, let me show you please the proportion of praise. You see, there's something to be said for proper proportion. As a matter of fact, I want you to consider this statement from expository preaching class, Ambassador Baptist College. Yes, I still have my college notes. If you go all the way through college and dispense with your notes, you've lost your mind. Hang on to your notes. Let me give you some quote from Ambassador Baptist College expository preaching notes. Expository preaching allows God's man to emphasize subjects in the same proportion that God emphasizes them. Now I believe that is a perfect approach to teaching and preaching the Scripture. What then is the proper proportion of praise to other biblical subjects? Now, just from the words and the related words, not from just seeing it in practice, but just from the words themselves, not even using related words like rejoice, what is the proportion of praise to other biblical subjects? Let me give you something. Praise in the Bible, just the word praise, 826 mentions. How about baptize? 99. How about tithing? Pastor's favorite subject. 119. How about separation? 340. Teaching? 379. How about study? Five. How about hell? Yeah, the students love that one. They want to teach say, Do that one again, preacher. Study. Five. Hell. 54. How then, when the subject of praise all by itself very nearly eclipses, combined the subjects of baptizing, tithing, separation, teaching, study, and hell, how then can we honestly claim to be in proper biblical proportion? Let me illustrate that. How many of you would be honest enough to say, Preacher, I have heard dozens and probably hundreds of messages on baptism. Would you raise your hand? Several. How many of you say, Preacher, I've heard dozens, probably hundreds, maybe even thousands of messages on tithing. Would you raise your hand? Lots of those. How many of you say, Preacher, I've heard dozens, hundreds, maybe even thousands of messages on separation. Would you raise your hand? How about teaching? Would you raise your hand? How about study? Would you raise your hand? Keep on going up there. How about hell? Would you raise your hand? Now, honestly, how many of you can say, Preacher, I have heard... Dozens, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of messages exclusively devoted to the subject of praising God. Would you raise your hand? Not many. 
maybe four or five hands throughout the building. How then can we honestly claim to be in proper biblical proportion? We wonder why fundamentalism seems to be drifting off and losing its power when we're still preaching and teaching the doctrines of faith. I'll tell you why. The motor's sitting on the side. I've got something here. You were scared. You thought I was going to bring this up and preach out of it. No, I'm not. It's called the scariest thing the average stuffy Baptist has ever seen. Let me tell you what this is. I went through in a Bible program and I made a command in that Bible program. I said, print praise, praises, praising. And this is what I came up with. Just a book of Bible verses. Nothing more, nothing less. I got news for you. If I told it to print tithing, it wouldn't come out to very much. If I told it to print study, it would fit on one page. This is what God's Word says about praising, yet we have the audacity and the gall to ignore it. We are not in proper biblical proportion. The proportion of praise. Number two, let me show you the procedure of praise. What is praise? There are six primary words for praise, meaning to laud, to bless, to boast, to celebrate, to extol, to make glorious, to command. That sounds impressive, doesn't it? Sounds like it's got some oomph to it, to quote a good southernism. That is an impressive list of definitions. Well, if we're to understand the definitions then, how is it to be done? How do we boast, bless, extol, celebrate? How do we do it? Well, again, learned here in pastoral theology at Ambassador Baptist College. Quote, one of the reasons we teach baptism by immersion is because of the definition of the word baptizo. The other is because every time baptism is seen in Scripture, it is always by immersion. In other words, if there's something done in Scripture, you find out how it was done and you do it that way. I agree with that logic. I agree with that pattern. Let's look at it then. Keep up as quickly as you can. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 19. Got a lot of verses, so you may be catching up as I'm reading them. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 19. The Bible says this, And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korhites stood up and praised the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. Ezra 3, 11. The Bible says, And they sang together by chorus in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because He is good for His mercy and endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house was laid. Psalm chapter 98 verse 4. The Bible says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Psalm 150 verse 5. The Bible says, Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high sounding cymbals. Luke chapter 19 verse 37 through 40. Perhaps the most impressive portion of Scripture dealing with this subject. Luke chapter 19 beginning verse 37. The Bible says, When He, that's Jesus, was come nigh even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and to praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that come up in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. I wish it stopped there, but it never does. Look at the next verse. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said to him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. It is amazing that when people praise God, there are always Pharisees around who will say, someone restrain them. Someone stop them. Someone shut them up. Hey, don't restrain them. Join them. Don't stop them. Get in there with them because it is always the mercy of God that is keeping the rocks from crying out this day. 
as we sit silently and the rocks are thinking, oh God, would you please let me get in on this? They don't know what they're missing. Matthew 21, 16 says, Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained praise. I'm going to tell you some folks, praise is many things, but it is not silent. And if you believe that it is silent, I challenge you to find it from Scripture because I've got the Scripture here and I can tell you it's not. Praise is done loudly. Procedure is loud. Number two, it's done by speaking. Roughly half of all references to praise in Scripture are spoken praises. It's also done by singing. The other half are references to singing. You can see that in Psalm chapter 47, verse 6, and in 30 other portions of Scripture. Look at Psalm chapter 47, verse 6, and let's see something about that. Psalm 47, 6. The Bible says, Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our King. Sing praises in four times in one verse. He said, Sing praises. Now, let me stop there just for a second and say some things. I appreciate sound doctrine. I believe in sound doctrine. We teach doctrine in our church. We taught a year and a half doctrinal series in our church. We teach and preach through biblical books. We have gone through the book of Jonah. We've gone through the book of Ruth. We've gone through the book of Esther. We've gone through the book of Daniel. We've gone through the book of Acts. We've gone through First and Second Corinthians. We're halfway through Ecclesiastes. We believe in teaching and preaching sound doctrine. But I'm going to make you an offer. I don't see if anybody here is bold enough to take it. Is there one person in this room today who would say, Preacher, I'll take you up on this offer. For every time the Bible says sing praises, I'll give you $10. If you will give me $1,000 for every time it says sing doctrine. Anybody here willing to take that offer? Smart individuals, and I'll tell you why. The Bible never, 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 never says sing doctrine. Now don't you misunderstand me. I enjoy doctrinal songs. I like them. But the primary purpose of singing is to glorify and to praise Almighty God and we are to praise Him in song. If that's the case, then let me ask you some questions. Why is it people who love praise songs are blasted by fundamentalists? Let me tell you something. We have gone from bad to worse to awful in this area. Let me tell you how. First, we abandoned praise songs. That was bad. Then we began criticizing those who sing praise songs. That was worse. But then we began to pretend that the Bible itself is our basis for not singing praise songs. That was awful. I'll tell you what our basis really is. We don't want to appear charismatic. That is the sole reason for not singing praise songs is you don't want to appear charismatic. That is both inconsistent and unscriptural. First of all, it's inconsistent because we don't avoid other things charismatics do. Like statistically, charismatics are real good titles. Now when is the last time you heard a pastor stand up and say, Hey, I just found out that charismatics are real good titles. By all means, stop tithing because you look charismatic. You're not going to hear it. You're not going to do that. Number two, it is unscriptural because God's Word is supposed to be our sole rule of faith and practice. Saying Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Not what somebody else does or does not do. If the charismatics are going to climb the hill of praise, the worst thing we can do in response is jump into the pit of deadness. That's ridiculous. It is done, number four, in the congregation. Psalm 22, 22. Look over at that. How's it done? It's done, it's done loudly. It's done by speaking, done by singing. Psalm twenty-two, twenty-two. 22 the Bible says this. 
I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. In that verse and in dozens of others, it is mentioned that we praise in the midst of the congregation. You may say, preacher, that's not exact enough. Well, let's make it a little more exact. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible says this, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. It is to be in the midst of the congregation. It is not to be a private, one-on-one thing where nobody else is around. If you want to do that, that's fine. Go ahead. But not to the neglect of praising God in the midst of the congregation. When we meet together, there should be some vocal praise of God. My wife and I, again, went on a a week-long vacation sometime last year. And uh, we we left out to where we could go on a Sunday night and get to a church in North Georgia that my father-in-law told me about. And we got this little backwoods church in North Georgia, and I don't even think sunlight has reached it yet. It's that far in the backwoods. Little brick church, and we went in there on a Sunday night. And that place on a Sunday night, you know your Sunday night in Wesmack crowd is usually about the same. place on a Sunday night was packed. Completely packed. I don't think there was a person in there that had above a sixth grade education. And they began to sing and to weep and to praise God and to glorify Him. And the atmosphere was absolutely electrified. And people were crying and coming to the altar and it was an enjoyable situation to be in. And everybody left saying, I can't wait to come back. The building couldn't have been worth $50,000. Then the Wednesday night, we were down a couple of states away. And we found another church to go to. And this time the situation was different. We were in a multi-million dollar, two-story church building with the baptistry elevated up above the congregation. It was the most elaborate building I've ever been in in my life. On a Wednesday night, that big building who would hold multiplied hundreds of people had maybe 30 people there. And the message was good. I couldn't disagree with anything the pastor said. But there was not one word of praise uttered to God the entire service, and I thought, I've been in funeral homes that I enjoyed more than this. This is ridiculous. And I never heard one member say, I enjoyed this. I never heard one member say, I can't wait to get back for this. And I say there is a difference, and the difference is not the building. The difference is there was no one in the congregation praising God. Praise to be done in the congregation. Now, here's another one for you you like. It's to be done with movement. Go ahead and get ready to be uncomfortable. God's Word often does that to people. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Let's go ahead and get to the tight rows. 2 Samuel chapter 6, the ark of God's coming back into Jerusalem. And in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14, the Bible says this, And David danced before the Lord with all his might. In this and in 14 other references in Scripture, the Bible speaks of dancing before the Lord. Now, this makes us uncomfortable. So you know what we try to do? We try to wiggle our way out of it. We try to sometimes Hebrew our way out of it. We try to say, well, that word dance can really mean to play an instrument. All right. Well, first of all, let's just assume that you know better than than the King James translators, that you're a lot better than than they ever were, which is ridiculous. Let's just assume you know better better than they did. And let's look at something then. If it is an instrument that was played, would you please explain to me then verse 16. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked to the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. So we all know that the piano is God's favorite instrument, and that's what he used all down through history. Obviously, what he did was then, he had a big strap around his neck, and it was attached to the piano, and he was leaping up and down, playing the piano. Is that the picture that you're trying to present from this verse? You say, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's ridiculous for you to try to explain away the fact he was dancing before the Lord. 
Now, if I have to choose between believing you or believing God's Word, I'm going to believe God's Word every single time. You may say, are you advocating dancing? Well, let me just say this to you. Scripturally, you have no grounds to even ask the question. What's your grounds to ask the question? But scripturally, I have perfect grounds to ask you, are you advocating that people be still when they praise God? And what scriptural right do you have to do so? I've heard it said, oh, you like to go there where they mm, sway a little bit. Uh, you go to that church. What right do you have to ask the question? What right do you have to point a finger? You have no scriptural grounds to stand on. The truth is, look at verse 20. Find out what Michael did. Verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. The truth is, a lot of people will look at grandma who has walked with God all her life and she gets happy in the Lord and waves a handkerchief and they look at her like a Michael in the window and despise her. Grandpa, who's walked through the fire with God, sheds tears and stands to his feet and waves his hand and you sit like a Michael in the window and despise him, a brand new Christian who knows no better than just to praise God openly. You who have gotten a little bit more educated, you look down your long past nose and despise them and you're nothing more than a Michael in the window and you're wicked and ungodly. Michael in the window. You say, does that not make you uncomfortable that there's some movement to praise? That doesn't make me nearly as uncomfortable as trying to explain away the preserved Word of God. Yeah. That makes me uncomfortable. Right. Makes me very uncomfortable. Number one, the portion of praise. Number two, the procedure of praise. Number three, the planning of praise. Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 8. 2 Chronicles chapter 8. You'll like this. If you don't like anything else, you'll like this. 2 Chronicles 8, 12 through 14. The Bible says, Then Solomon offered burnt offerings unto the Lord on the altar of the Lord, which he had built before the porch, even after a certain rate every day, offering according to the commandments of Moses on the Sabbath and on the new moons and on the solemn feasts three times in the year, even in the Feast of Unleavened Bread and in the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Tabernacles. And he appointed, according to the order of David his father, the course of the priests to their service and the Levites to their charges to praise and minister before the priests as the duty of every day required. They planned times and people to praise God. They didn't leave it to chance. Folks, we should be setting aside time for praise. You know, one of the best things we've ever done in our church, as I began to study this scripture months ago, I said, God, show me something from scripture you want me to know. And, and this is what he ended up giving me. And that's what I ended up finding from God's word. And as he did, I had to say, God, I'm sorry. I've missed this. So we started every Sunday night at 20 minutes to 7. We meet 20 minutes early. And we have about five minutes of prayer. And then we spend the rest of the time praising God. Not giving requests, not talking about burdens, just praising Him. Here's what I found in my Bible that is so good about God. Here is the blessed things that God has given me this week. And we praise Him in testimony. And we praise Him in song. And we even do the unthinkable. We commit the unpardonable sin for Baptists. If it gets really, really good, we'll just push the service back and wait till we're done to start it. Sometimes we've started praising God at 15 minutes to 7. And we finish, instead of finishing at 7, we'll finish at 7.15 or 7.30 and then go into the service from there. We have set aside time to praise God. If you don't have time set aside to praise God, I wonder why. We should even promote praisers, not make fun of them. David set up people to praise. I remember back when I knew everything and, um, and, and I saw some, some, some folks who would go preach revivals and there were people that followed them around. 
And there were always people that, that shouted and praised God a lot. And I would sit there and I would look down my intelligent nose because I figured out everything. I was all 20. And, um, and I said, boy, I tell you what, <laughs> he brought a shouter tonight trying to get things stirred up. Yes, sir. That's all he's trying to do. And then lo and behold, I come across in Scripture where people were appointed to praise. And I had to say, God, I'm sorry. I apologize. I was wrong. Now when I go preach places, you know what I try to do? I try to appoint somebody to praise and bring them along with me because that's exactly the reference that you see in Scripture over and over again. We also should promote a free atmosphere of praise. Turn to Psalm chapter 71, verse 14. Psalm 71, 14, the Bible says this. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. That is an atmosphere of praise. Praising Him more and more, yet it seems the more educated we get, what happens? We don't praise Him more and more. We praise Him less and less. I got news for you, the same is not enough. We're to be praising Him more and more. And when you do, there'll be an atmosphere where people don't feel embarrassed to praise God. I got news for you, if you are contributing to somebody feeling embarrassed or intimidated to praise God, they're not the problem. You're the problem. It should be an atmosphere of praise. Also, we should teach praise. We should say over and over again in our church and schools, we say, we want to teach you how to glorify God. Let's talk about standards. I'm all for standards, but that's not how you glorify God. Look at Psalm chapter 50, verse 23. You want to teach people how to glorify God? Here's how to do it. Psalm 50, 23. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. You want to teach people to glorify God? Teach them how to praise. But you say, I'll just wait till God moves on my heart. Oh, He has. He has. In 826 verses, he's moved on your heart. Wonder why we don't treat, treat tithing the same way. Brother, you just wait till God moves on your heart and then you tithe. We don't do that, do we? Wonder why we don't treat obedience to authority that way. Brother, you just wait till God moves on your heart, then you obey authority. No, we don't do that. We say, God's word has said it, therefore you do it. And I say, God's word has said it, therefore you do it. You say, it's not natural to me. Right? Neither was brushing your teeth or taking a bath till somebody taught you. Wasn't a bit natural for my son, but we teach him to do it. And one day it will become natural to him. You say, well, my area of the country just doesn't praise. Well, then your area of the country just needs to get right with God. And secondly, when did we start basing what we believe on the area of the country from which we come? This area of the country used to believe in slavery. And it was wrong. And it was wicked. And it was ungodly. Our area of the country has got not one thing to do with it. What God's Word says has got everything to do with it. We should teach praise very quickly. Let me show you the power of praise. Psalm chapter 22. Here's what we neglect. Psalm 22. Verse 3. The Bible says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest, lives in the praises of Israel. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. God still inhabits the praise of His people. And by that I infer that He has not been in a lot of Baptist churches for years. Because He's had nowhere to live. Hadn't been any praising going on. I say to you also, under the power of praise, the foundation of the prison will shake when we praise. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25 through 26, Paul and Silas had been beaten, and it says at midnight they prayed and they sang praises unto God, and when they did, then the foundations of the walls of the prison shook. And I say to you, though they had pure doctrine, pure doctrine did not shake the walls. Though they knew how to pray, their prayer went with their praise to shake the walls. Though they knew how to tithe, their tithe did not shake the walls. Though they knew how to be faithful, their faithfulness did not shake the walls. Their praise moved God to shake the walls. 
Praise will destroy enemies. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 21 through 22. Look at that real quick. Second Chronicles 20, 21 and 22. The Bible says, And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. And believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness, as they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which will come against Judah, and they were smitten. Praise will destroy the enemy armies. Say, preacher, I can't shake my enemies. How many times have you praised? Say, preacher, I've got enemies all around me. I go into Walmart and they're there in the checkout line. Enemies that are blocking my way. Start praising God and see what happens. They'll take their 34 items and they'll go to the express checkout. Praise will destroy enemies' armies. Here's one we don't like to see, but it's so powerful. Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 5. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Praise will fill the house with God's glory and even occasionally disrupt the service, not allowing us to minister. Second Chronicles 5, 13-40 came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with trumpets and cymbals and interests and music and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Occasionally, when you praise God, He will step in and say, Stop! I just want to enjoy this. And he'll take your schedule and He'll say, It's mine, if you'll let Him. The problem is, half the time, we won't let Him. We had revival for the Don Sessions first week in December. And he preached, oh, he preached hell hot and sin awful and God's word pure for a solid week. He preached and by the end of the week we'd gotten right with God and were praising and shouting and glorifying Him. And we came in on a Sunday morning and as the singing began to start, somebody stood up and said, I got a testimony. And somebody stood up, I got a testimony. And they went to praising God and to squalling and to crying. And I'm sitting here with my message already laid out, already ready, already good to go. And at 12 o'clock, they are still testifying and still praising God. And I said, folks, it's 12 o'clock. Consider yourselves dismissed. If you want to go, go ahead. Now, these are Baptists, keep in mind. I said, consider yourselves dismissed. If you want to go, go ahead. At 1.30, everybody was still there, still testifying, still crying, still praising God. The glory of God filled the house. And my, what a time we had. Yeah. Praise will fill the house with God's glory. The power of praise. But number five, as we draw it near to a close, let me show you the prevention of praise. The prevention of praise. You see, previously... You who are under the sound of my voice. Previously, if you don't believe in praising God, you could have said, it's ignorance, preacher. I didn't know. Preacher, I did not know that God's Word said all that. You could have said that previously. Now the only possible way you can refuse to praise God is pride. Pride. I'm going to make a statement that may shock you, but I believe it will drive home the importance of the subject. I hate and abhor and despise racism. I hate it. Hate it! It's wicked and it's abominable in the sight of God and I won't tolerate it ever. But if there were only two churches on the face of God's planet and I had to go to one of them and one of them was a racist church that praised God and one of them was a non-racist church that refused to praise God, I would say they're both awful. But I'll go to the racist church that praises God. And here's my reasoning. Racism is an indirect slap in the face of God. 
an indirect slap in the face of God. Because you're taking somebody that God loves, and in effect, you're slapping them in the face. That's awful. However, failure to praise God is a direct slap in the face of God. You're not slapping somebody that God loves. You're slapping God Himself. When you realize how great and awesome He is, and you in pride say, I will not praise you. It's prevention of praise, and it's wicked. Now I have come to the conclusion that what is taught should be practiced. So here's what I want to do before we have the invitation. I would like everyone to stand, please. Take your Bibles, and on this side, please turn to Revelation chapter 5. And on this side, please turn to Revelation chapter 7. And in Revelation chapter 5, this side will begin and begin loudly, for that is how it is said to be done. Revelation 5, 12 says, They sing with a, sing with a loud voice, and you will begin at worthy to loudly praise God. And then this side will begin in Revelation chapter 7, verse 12, after the word saying, you will begin at amen, loudly to praise God. First of all, on this side, after 3, 1, Two, three, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and blue wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Let's try that again. That's you got the hang of it. Go do it by yourselves. One, two, three. And all God's people said, and all God's people said, and all God's people said, 